welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today we continue our Advent series, Let Earth Receive Her King, and we will discover that the source of true joy is that it comes in the most unexpected circumstances and by accepting all the ways of the Lord. It's been a very interesting season as a sports fan. Now, as many of you know, I am, even though I'm not from Northeast Ohio, I am a fan of one of the teams here in Northeast Ohio. And that team is riddled with heartbreak, riddled with pain, riddled with uh, the, almost a cynicism that things could go right. Yes, I indeed am a Cleveland Browns fan. And I'm not, I'm not bringing this up to, to, to receive any kind of uh, sympathy from you. I, I, I willingly embrace it and things. But something's different this year for us Browns fans. We have a winning season. Legitimately, we cemented a winning season last Sunday. And it's really hard to sort of think that, oh my goodness, we still have games left and we already have a winning season. This is a weird concept to a Browns fan because, after all, we're used to heartbreak. And we name our heartbreaks as Browns fans. The fumble, the drive. And a few years ago, we had the perfect season. It was far from perfect. We went 0-16. But what's really interesting about being a part of the Browns fan base this year is that there seems to be still some grumblings. Like, it's almost a, I can't get too excited. I can't enjoy this because I'm expecting things to go wrong at some point. And you'll see this. There's a number of fans that will say that this, we, this player is terrible and shouldn't be a part of it, even though they're a part of a 9-3 and three team right now. Or it's almost this resistance to enjoy what's happening. As there's a Browns fan who's online that jokes that uh, he's not willing to accept a win until the clock runs to zero, 60 minutes has aired, and he is in bed. <laughs> Again, we just expect something to go wrong, and it's really hard to enjoy what is happening. Resisting joy that comes is actually a very, very common thing that we struggle with. But we, as, as people of the 21st century in, in Western society, actually, even though we struggle to receive joy, we have nothing on the people who are in Scripture who resisted joy. We live in a, in a world that's completely different from the Scripture that we read. Just to sort of catch you up on the scripture that we're going to read today, we're going to read in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. If you have your Bible, you might want to get there now. But Isaiah, particularly chapter 61, is in a very unique time period. See, Isaiah is a Jew. And Israel, the nation of Judaism, has gone through a lot. If you go throughout the entire Old Testament, you will find a people that is promised by God 
to have this, this land, these descendants. But then all of a sudden something changes because Egypt enslaves them. And they become an oppressed people. And they need to be saved. They need to be liberated. And so God does that. And God tries to show them how to be his people, how to rightly relate with each other, how to rightly relate with the world. And so they begin to build the society on this law, but some laws are very easily observed and other laws are ignored completely. And before you know it, Israel becomes a nation that doesn't look like the God who saved them. They look more like every other nation. And because of this, they make some decisions that this country over here and that country over there don't like. And God warns them, just be as I've called you to be and you'll be fine. But they don't. So all of a sudden, they are overtaken by other forces. And they are sent into a, a, a state called exile. They are removed from their land. And they do not control their own destiny. And they are oppressed by the leaders. And this happens for centuries. And then, one day, they are let go. They are made where they go into this almost in-between, this time called post-exile, where they actually don't have complete control over their destiny anymore, but they're not necessarily being continuously oppressed, and they can come back to their land. And they come back to their land and they find it filled with people who are different from them, with different customs and different religions. They find that the things that they had built before are in ruins. And it's in this mindset, it's in this context, that the prophet Isaiah comes to them with a word from God. And the word from God is one of comfort, and one that is filled with a joy that is really hard to imagine when the things that you identified yourself as are in ruins. When the life that you expected to have isn't what it is. See, God comes to a people who are grieving and lamenting and mourning. A people who are in ruins. And he shares this message through his prophet. Isaiah 61, beginning with verse 1, we read these words. The Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God to comfort all who mourn. Provide for Zion's mourners to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. Over the next three verses, Isaiah shares some of what their relationship with others are going to be, but he continues in verse 8 with what God is going to do. I, the Lord, love justice. 
I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and make with them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord because my heart is joyful. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a priestly crown, and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. Seems quite happy, optimistic, positive, right? But what Isaiah is doing here is he is saying these things to a people who haven't experienced this in years. Do they even know what this is like? Do they, can they even imagine these realities? You and I, and even they, might think it's folly to rejoice when the foundations of the society that you hold so dear to who you are is still in ruins. And yet that is exactly what Isaiah is doing. Rejoice. Rejoice in God. Why? We haven't seen him lately. What are you talking about, Isaiah? You're crazy. Because really, let's be honest. When we have experienced difficulty and suffering and hardship, when we've, when we've endured trauma, when we as humans go through the worst that the world has to throw at us, we rarely can rejoice. And we often live in those realities. We are defined by these traumas and sufferings far more than anything else. It can be really hard to comprehend a God that is going to come and save and bring forth new realities when those realities have been absent for so long for these folks. Chris Seitz, I think, is very wise about this reality. Yet at times of real hardship, salvation can be more difficult to comprehend than judgment. And the response to both can be resistance. Think about that for a second. When we sit in the things, the bad things that have happened to us, the traumas that we've endured, when somebody brings good news to you, it's very hard to believe them let alone a prophet from God. And yet Isaiah is bold as he envisions a new reality for these people. Now you might be wondering, what is that reality like? What is this reality that he is talking about? Well, it comes from God working. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but everything in the passage that we just talked about is about God working except at the very end when the prophet rejoices in God doing what he said he's going to do or is going to do. It's all about God. 
in what he does. And that is where the rejoicing comes from. And what is God specifically going to do? Bring good news to the poor, to bind up brokenhearted, to release captives, to liberate prisoners, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Now, those first things are we might be able to imagine. But the last part there, the year of the Lord's favor, Isaiah is hinting at something that actually never happened. See, the year of the Lord's favor was known in Judaism as the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was to happen every 50 years. There was these different kinds of celebrations every so many years and and how to give and all these different kinds of things. But something that was radical in how God established his people was saying, hey, every 50 years, this is what I want you to do. I want land to go back to the original owners. I want servants to be released. They don't have to be serving the people anymore. They're, they're made free. And the one that really gets us is all debts are forgiven. Can you imagine a year of jubilee? I don't think we can, actually. Were all debts forgiven? That sounds quite counter to what we believe should happen in the world. But yet God asked Israel to do this. And so when he says, you're the Lord's favor, he's saying something like, well, something they've never been able to encounter before. Now, you might ask the question, why didn't Israel do this? Why didn't Israel reset everything in Jubilee? Well, probably for the same reason we've never experienced it, because when people are owed money, they want their money. They want the fair, the system to remain fair. To receive such forgiveness and grace would be, well, not right. Or so we're told. And yet God has said this in particular, that this is the way that Israel was to conduct themselves, and they never did. Now, Isaiah is not here to harp on this. Isaiah is here to bring this reality into their minds, to show them that the reality that is coming from God is far beyond what they've ever experienced. God is working in the ruins of post-exile. And yes, it's okay to cry and it's okay to recognize where you're at, but hear this, God's going to do something new in the ruins. God is going to do something new in the situation that we messed up ourselves. God is going to bring his justice into the world and there will be right relationship between you and him and you and your neighbor and you and others who aren't a part of our nation. God's going to bring up his people. And because of that, you can rejoice. See, friends, often we go think around thinking we can get joy by working harder or being more positive or thinking this way or whatever. But no, everything that the prophet Isaiah says here has nothing to do with what they are to do, just simply letting God be God and bringing forth his justice into the world 
and the way to relate in the world by him, his righteousness, his right relationship, his justice, his mercy, his way of life. And because of that, you can rejoice and he will show you how to relate correctly, rightly. He will show you how to live. He will show you how to hope. He will show you how to bring peace. He will show you how to love. He will show you how to forgive. He will show you what joy is. Joy comes from God and God alone. It's not just feeling happy. It's embracing God's way in the world. And God's way in the world is really different than what we often think it should be. Let's really be honest. <laughs> we have a hard time with hearing a radical forgiveness of debt. We really struggle with people being made free. Maybe they did something. Maybe they probably did something wrong. That's why they're there. We struggle with that. So did they. And the question will be, will Israel in the coming years be willing to accept what God does? And I think the same question remains for those who follow God today. Sadly, many in Israel miss when God works, when he sends his son, Jesus. They miss it. Many are more focused on doing what they can do instead of accepting what God is looking to do in Christ. And what Christ does and what the church does early on in its ministry is all the things that Isaiah talks about. Bringing good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives, and liberation for the prisoners. And it's found when Jesus offers radical healing to those who did nothing to deserve it. When Jesus offers forgiveness to the worst prisoner who is crucified right next to him. And the church does it when they hand over all of their possessions so that this person and that person would not have any more needs. It doesn't seem fair. They worked really hard for it. No, the church says, no, you need this. Here you go. See, Jubilee happens within the church, and it is supposed to be happening within the church. Joy is supposed to be continuously found within the church because God has liberated us, forgiven us, brought right relationship and justice into the world. But too often, we're thinking that it has something to do with what we do instead of just accepting what God has done and is doing and will do. I mean, let's really be honest, friends. We live in a society that says, work your hardest, pick yourself up, get yourself out of the problems that you have put yourself in. 
All of that, friends, is antithetical to the gospel. The gospel says, I, your Lord God, no matter what mess you are in, will be with you and will help you. See, to receive joy, friends, is to accept God's work in your life, his forgiveness, to accept his liberation, to accept his way of life, to accept his justice, to accept his way of relating with the world. Not what society says, not what politicians say, not what governors say or presidents say, not what celebrities say, not what constitution says. It's all about God working in us and us accepting it. And in that, we receive joy. And when we receive it, that joy is not, it, it doesn't just, oh, I'm, I'm joyful. The joyful goes out beyond us. Joy is uncontainable. And we become joy bringers by doing the same things that God has done for us. Forgiving, liberating, being with those who are grieving, caring for those who are poor, giving ourselves to others in need. We've been called to join the mission of God. And that mission goes into the world sharing hope and joy with a world that has no hope and filled with despair. See, as disciples of Christ, we are called to work together with God, bringing about his good news for the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoner, the sinner. We're called to be joy bringers in the world. And it's not by being positive. It's by going in and bringing forth God's justice, bringing forth right in the midst of all that is wrong. To love radically as God has loved us. We struggle with joy so much because it's not something that we can just work towards. There's not a 10-step program to be more joyful. I can give you moments where I can say, hey, trust God to provide. And that, in that, as you accept that, there will be some joy that will be brought to your heart. But that's not anything that you can physically go and do or just think. It, it's actually just accepting who God is and what he is doing. key to joy is not lifting yourself up. It's actually bringing yourself low and relying upon the God who has saved this world and is saving the world. That is how we receive joy. This may seem trivial compared to what we're talking about here. But I think the, the, the story is still the same. When my wife and I were first married, you don't have a lot of money. And so you do what, the best that you can to furnish your house. 
So we went to Ikea. Now, if you're not an Ikea fan, that's fine. You're, you're allowed to. Uh, but that was what we could afford at the time. Why is Ikea more affordable? Because you have to put the furniture together yourself. You don't have somebody who is an expert putting your furniture. You are. It's great. It's fun. It's get that elbow grease and work hard. I am not as skilled at visualizing the physical world like my wife is. My wife's an art teacher. I am not. She sees how things can be put together. and She, she knows these things better than I am. So she's working on her part of the furniture, and I'm working on my part of the furniture. And then I get to a part, I'm like, I'm doing pretty good here. And then I get to a part where it's obvious that I did something wrong. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be able to work harder. I'm going to be able to figure out exactly what it is. And then comes the question, do you need help? No! How dare you ask me if I need help? I've got this! I'll pull myself up. I'll figure it out. Well, you know, you got to go back a few steps. You, no, you're crazy. You see, I was unwilling to accept the help that my wife was offering. Tension grew. Anger also may have entered into the room. And it wasn't until I finally accepted my wife's help, who was better at this than me, that would the tension be, would, would start to fade. Hope was, was brought back into the room. At one point, it's like, are we going to be able to, to make all these furniture pieces? There was no hope anymore. There definitely wasn't peace whenever I was resisting. But when I finally did, that is when things began to be better. And the joy of finishing all of our furniture was a possibility. But it was only because I was willing to accept the help that my wife gave. God has given us the very help that we need for life, for everything. And too often, we resist it by thinking that we can do it better than him. We do this in how we relate with other people too. I can figure this out by myself. You can't. Look to how Jesus has brought right relationship and justice into the world. And begin to rely upon him to do it. Because guess what? It's unfair to us. It's unfair to you. It's unfair to me. That doesn't mean that it's not right. For jubilee, for joy to enter into our lives, we must be willing to accept all that God has given us to live. And to begin living it and bringing joy into the world by living the way he has called us to live. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you have invited us to run toward joy, to endure for the sake of your joy, to weep now, knowing that joy is coming. Our joy, like yours, is found in a world set right. That joy does not come easily. It comes through labor pains. It is received through suffering. It is waiting for, for with patience. 
We rejoice that Christ is making all things new. We rejoice that because Christ suffered, sin and death have been defeated. And we rejoice in expectations of the great wedding feast. Forgive us of our tendency to complain and not rejoice. Deliver us from the temptation to become cynical and despondent. And help us to discern between eternal joy and temporal pleasures. May our joy draw others to you and may our joy not be complete until all others share in the joy of your reconciling love. In your son's holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you are inspired by this week's message. Because of the current pandemic, our services are limited to an online presence. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org. Thank you.